these seven are any more deadly than any of the rest. It's just that these seven seem to be especially dishonoring to God. They seem to especially be harmful to us and harmful to those around us. And so we're taking a look at these as we've been going through Proverbs. And this morning, I want to take a closer look at the sloth. And, and if you're like me, this is the first thing that pops into your mind when you think of the sloth, right? This cute little furry animal. And I have to admit, I didn't know much about the sloth when I started preparing for this message. And so, um, uh, for your enjoyment, I, I did a little investigation on a sloth. And this is what I found out. Did you know you can style a sloth's hair to make them look like the beetles? Did you know, did you know that you can Photoshop the head of a sloth onto a famous work of art and make them the Mona Lisa? And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, Pastor Charles has way too much time on his hands, let me assure you that was all Joe. That was Joe. Um, the real research that I did, uh, I, I truly, I did find out some stuff, some real facts about sloths. For instance, did you know sloths? are known for their slow movement. We knew that, but did you know they were considered one of the slowest moving mammals at a speed of 0 .03 miles per hour, which I still claim when our wives ask us to do chores around the house, we move 0 .02 miles per hour, making all husbands the slowest mammals on the face of this earth, second to the sloth. And then, um, did you know they live a sleepy lifestyle? Some species... Sloth can sleep between 10 and 20 hours a day, which is my teenage daughter. Your teenagers probably fit somewhere into that range, too. The last one, and, and this is where I started thinking, man, maybe I am becoming a sloth. I'm more like this than I thought it, it was this. And I'm not going to say too much about it, but is this. Sloths are generally solitary animals. They only come out when it's time for mating. I just, I just described 95% of the husbands in this room, <laughs> right there. Um, and I'm not going to say any more about that. We're going to move on right, right now. No, all, all, all kidding aside, you know, we know that the sloths are cute, but metaphorically speaking, that's not something we want to be. We don't want to be associated as people who are, are like the sloth. In fact, Proverbs, Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, he said that a sloth, and he, he interchanged the word sluggard and lazy in, in, in these passages. And 14 times throughout Proverbs, Solomon addressed the, the topic of the sloth. So clearly here, Solomon said, this is important. And it's important, and, and he gives us some warnings, some warnings that there are some, some consequences to being slothful or a sluggard or lazy. He, said, he's, he seems to think there's going to have a negative impact on our life and in our faith. And as I've learned, I, I would tend to agree with him. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6 today. I'm going to start in verse 6. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones and you want to flip to Proverbs 6, that is where we're going to hang out for a while. And Solomon here in Proverbs 6, he actually kind of switches animals. He goes from talking about the sloth to talking about an insect 
the ant. I bet you didn't know you were getting a biology lesson this morning, but here you go. This is what Solomon has to say about the ants. He says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones, or you sloth. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty, he says, will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Now, when we start thinking of examples of hard work and wisdom, I doubt the ants typically would come to the forefront of your mind, but maybe they should because Solomon has says here, not only do they work hard in all that they do, but they are wise in preparing. They prepare for what's ahead. They're preparing for winter, and, and, and they do everything they do. And for that, I can confirm this, because this, this summer there was a Saturday morning that Trisha and I woke up and came downstairs, and there was a line of ants from our front door down the hallway and into the coat closet where we keep our dog food. I know that's disgusting, but that was what it, what it was. And, I, and, I, and Trisha, of course, said, oh, you, you got to do something about that. So I went into the coat closet. And I opened the door to see these. If it wasn't so gross, it would have been impressive. To see these ants systematically carrying these big pieces of dog food out back to the front door in what I assume is preparation for winter. Nothing was distracting them from their mission. Nothing. There was nothing that was, that was causing them to stop what their purpose was. And as I kind of looked at, at these ants a little bit more this, this week and studying, I realized obstacles don't get in their way. They will do whatever they need to do to get around these obstacles. In fact, it's said that even ants can even move sideways, have this side-by-side -side motion to, to navigate obstacles to get around. They can force pieces of food physically through small holes to, to get them ready for winter and to take them home. Nothing gets in the way. Nothing distracts them. They don't lack motivation whatsoever, which made me go, okay, Solomon's on to something. Can you imagine if our lives looked more like that? Meaning this. Can you imagine if you made your marriage your mission? Meaning nothing would distract you from your purpose, from your main mission to care and to love your spouse. That nothing is going to distract you. Nothing's going to get in the way. Can you imagine the strength of our marriages if that was our mission? What about your families? Can you imagine if you made your family your mission, your mission to care for them and love them and encourage them and leave them, lead them like Jesus. Can you imagine if nothing distracted you from that, how powerful our families would be? Can you imagine in your life if, if your mission was to be more like Jesus, to follow him? Nothing's going to distract you from being more like Jesus. Your mission day in and day out is to live for him and to be like him. Can you imagine what that would do in our communities and workplaces and churches. But if we're honest, we can fall into these traps of 
doing the exact opposite. And that's why Solomon, I think he gives us some warnings here. He doesn't mince words. I mean, li- listen to how he puts this. He says, but you lazy bones, he calls them. How long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now, one thing to make sure you're aware of, Solomon here is speaking to the slothful. He's speaking to the lazy. Solomon's not writing this to the hardworking. Because we know as hardworking people that rest is important, that, that, that taking moments to recover is important, that having those, those times of sleep is important. Those are good things. Solomon here, he's speaking to the lazy. He's speaking to those people who have had enough sleep. They just want a little bit more. They've had enough slumber. They just need a little extra. They've had enough rest, but they're just, they want to fold their hands a little bit more and rest. The ant, however, Solomon says, they have a passion and a purpose and a resolve, and nothing will stop them from achieving their goal. So if that's the case, then the lazy person is just the opposite. The lazy has no passion, has no purpose, and has no excuse, or maybe I should say has every excuse for not doing the things that they know need to be accomplished. In fact, I stumbled across this, um, uh, this author who, who wrote this, Dorothy Sayers is her name, and she said this, sloth is the sin in which believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, lives for nothing, and only remains alive because there is nothing it would die for. That's, that's powerful. But what she's ultimately saying is this truth. She's saying, look, being a sloth will steal from you the very thing that you desire the most, your life. And that's why we made the bottom line for today is simply this. Laziness is the thief of life. And this goes against everything Jesus tells us. Remember in John 10, 10, Jesus says, no, no, this isn't what I intended for you. What I intended for you was that you would have a rich and satisfying life. Some Bible versions will say an abundant life. That is the life Jesus wants to give us, a life that is so full of purpose and so full of meaning that we're overflowing, that nothing can stop us. Laziness, however, here, it robs us of discovering this kind of life that Jesus intended. And so um, as I was looking through this, Tim Keller wrote this devotional on the Proverbs. It's a a great devotional if you're looking for one to pick up. um, I would recommend this. And it was in this devotional that he laid out a few reasons why laziness is the thief to life. Now, not all of you will relate to all of these. Perhaps you'll relate to some. Maybe, maybe you'll connect with some at certain times in your life, but not at other times in your life. That's not the point. The point is, as I highlight three of these ways laziness steals your life, may, maybe there's something that you'd go, okay, that, that I, I need to be honest with myself and admit this. So here, here they are. This is what Tim Keller says. The first one's this. The lazy don't face things. They don't face things. In fact, Solomon echoes 
these words when he said this in Proverbs 26, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. To which you might be going, what in the world? Why would he say that? Let me tell you, Solomon is exaggerating something here. Of course, there's no lion on the road. There's nothing out there that's going to be pouncing on him. He's exaggerating to make a point. He's saying oftentimes in our lives, when we are lazy, you and I come up with some good excuses. Sometimes they're small excuses. Sometimes they're big excuses. Sometimes they're ridiculous excuses like this of why we refuse to face the things that we need to face. So we throw these excuses out there because we want to avoid them at all costs. The problem is, is as we share these excuses with people, and as we declare these excuses out loud, even ones as ridiculous as there's a lion on the road, what happens is we actually begin to believe our own narrative. There's There's a word for this. I'll never get it right, but I wrote it down. Present day health doctors, mental health doctors call it this. It's called Pseudologia Fantastica. Pseudologia Fantastica, which means this, that you lie or you blow something out of proportion or you give an excuse to someone over and over and over to the point where you actually start believing your own narrative and think what you're saying is true, which makes it impossible to have a conversation with someone like that because they start believing their own lie. And we do this to ourselves when we make up these excuses. I mean, how many times have you and I, have we had these outlandish excuses to avoid maybe having a difficult conversation? I know I, I make things up all the time so I don't have to have that conversation. And we use these excuses that we even begin to believe as being true. Or how many times do we think, you know what, I'm just too busy. I hear this over and over, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to get all the things done I need to get done at work. I'm too busy to to have a close relationship with my family. I'm too busy to spend time with my friends. I'm too busy to spend any time with Jesus. We say this, and I'll admit, many of you are very, very busy. But I'll tell you this, be real honest, in my own personal experience and dealing with people for many, many years now, what happens is when somebody says, I'm too busy, you know what they're really saying? They're really saying, I value my own agenda. I value my own time. I value my own needs and comfort over anyone else's. I'm elevating myself to this position. I'm making my main mission in life me. I'm too busy. Well, I think about the justifications that sometimes we make for not facing something that we need to face in our own lives, like, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's drinking too much or eating too much or not eating enough or things we look at online or who knows what the list goes on and on and on. But we know in order to deal with those things in our life, we're going to have to face them. And it's just easier to avoid it altogether because we know there's going to be worse. And it's going to be hard. So we just, we just don't face it. That is a sloth. Unwilling to face things that need to be faced. That is why laziness is a thief of life. Because it robs us of facing those important things that weigh us down. And life doesn't have to be this way. So, sloth. 
doesn't face things. But Tim Keller gives us another one. He says, the sloth also doesn't like to finish things. To which I'm starting to think at this point in the message, all right, I'm about done with this because I don't like these. I don't, li- I don't like these because it's obvious the sloth, they like to avoid starting something, but they also avoid finishing something. In fact, Solomon echoes these words here. We see in Proverbs chapter 12, Solomon says, lazy people don't even cook the game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. And then he goes on in chapter 19 to say, lazy people take food in their hand, but don't lift it to their mouth. So what he's saying here is, look, these are people who started off strong. These are people who had exactly what they wanted in the palm of their hands. They had it all, but in the end, they didn't follow through. And when they didn't follow through, they didn't finish what they started, to which I started thinking of some examples of this. And, and again, I don't like these, but maybe, maybe the example is well, someone that's unhealthy, right? And so they go, on Monday, I'm going to eat healthy. Yeah, right, Tuesday, eh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, by weekend, game on, it's done, right? Well, th- that's why New Year's resolutions don't work, because, because we, we don't finish what we start. We rely on our own strength in this, and we'd our, we'd, our own strength isn't strong enough, and so we don't, we don't ever finish. Or, or I think about, you know, things like uh, people who jump from job to job to job, but it's always the boss's fault. It's always the work's fault. For me, I'll be honest, for me, I, I run into this when it comes to Bible reading plans. I always start Bible reading plans. I got about a hundred of them on my phone. I've started, not finished, because Monday comes and I wake up early and I'm strong, and then Tuesday comes and I wake up early and I hit my snooze button one time. By Wednesday, I hit my snooze button twice. By Friday, I've hit my snooze button so much, I don't have time for this anymore because i got to get ready. I, and I don't finish my plan that I started. That's, that's, what we, that's mine. Uh, you know, I've seen this over and over. People who, they come so close. They come so close to finishing, but they miss out on the reward because they stop short. I actually have this friend uh, I went to college with. He, he dropped out of college, three credits, that's one class shy of a teaching degree in mathematics. One class. And, and years later, uh, he would always say to me, yeah, huh, maybe I should go back and finish that class. And I thought, you think? But he never has, never finished it. And the one class, you know, I, I, wish, I wonder how many of us have ever thought, boy, I wish I would have stuck to those music lessons. I wish I would have stuck to that foreign language. I wish I would have finished that book that I was starting. I wish I would have done, I wish, but you stopped short. And when you stopped short, you missed out on the reward. And you know what happens when we miss out on the reward? It leads us to disappointment and shame. And our hearts become heavy and we're disappointed in ourselves. And then that, that is why laziness is the thief to life, because it keeps us from finishing the things that will make a significant difference in our life. So it keeps us from facing things. It keeps us from finishing things. But there's one more I want to tell you that might surprise you. It has nothing to do with being lazy. Being a sloth is this. It means you don't experience soul rest. Now, th- I know it goes without saying that uh, a slothful person rests too much, but I'm not talking about the physical lounging around 
watching Netflix rest. I'm not talking about that. Because on the outside, a slothful person can actually seem busy. A slothful person can actually always be on the go. But it's on the inside. On the inside, you're experiencing anxiety. And you're experiencing a soul that's never at peace. And this is the form of a sloth. In fact, Solomon addresses this. In Proverbs chapter 15, he says this. A lazy person's way is blocked with briars, but the path of an upright is an open highway. And so I lifted Tim Keller in his devotional, and he said this about a lazy person's way is blocked. He said, laziness is not just a temperament, but a moral failing. Sloth is self-centered rather than loving. It's all about us. We make it about us. And so these briars, these thorns he's referring to is the pain that occurs when we live this kind of life. And sure, you might be making progress in life. You might be moving forward. You might even be doing some good things. But it comes at a cost. And that cost is your soul care. That cost is the thorns in your relationship. That cost is the thorns in your heart. And many of us lack peace today in our soul because we've chosen the easy way of life. That means we've chosen the way to make it all about us and to be selfish instead of the hard way of life, which means we're being selfless and loving and caring other people. And I'm telling you, life doesn't have to be that way. That's why being lazy is the thief of life, because it leads to a pain, leads to painful life of restlessness. And so... Um, I want to give you the solution, and it's probably the solution that you know I'm going to give you before I even give it. All of you could probably come up here and say what I'm about to say because you've heard me say it so often. We can trade in this life of slothfulness for a life of, of rich and purposeful life as Jesus has intended. In fact, the Solomon says this at the end of that verse, 19, he said, but the path of the upright is an open highway. This moral upright that he's referring to here, these aren't perfect people. Thank goodness they're not perfect people. These are people just like you and I that have flaws and have things that they have messed up. They're people just like you and me, but there's a difference. The difference is that they acknowledge and recognize that they're flawed. They acknowledge and they recognize that these thorns of life are blocking them from a peace-filled, satisfying life. So here's what they do. Here's what they do. They, they look to Jesus. And they look to Jesus as the one who actually wore a crown of thorns on his head and went to the cross so that we could live a life of freedom on the open highway. And of course you're saying, well, you're, you're Pastor Charles. You always say Jesus is the solution. Every time I come talk to you, you say, I don't know what to tell you, but Jesus is the solution. Jesus is always the solution. That's all you ever say, Charles. And I'm telling you right now, that's all I'm ever going to say because I have no other solution. It's him. He's the only solution I've seen work over and over. He's the only solution I've experienced in my own life that works over and over. Jesus is the solution. And when we put our trust in him and we know that he is the only way forward, when we do that, when we rely on his strength and his wisdom, not our own, 
Because when we rely on our own, then that just leads us back down this moral laziness highway of briars and thorns. We don't want that. Instead, we lean on him and we look to him and we keep our eyes on him. And then we can echo what these words in Hebrews said 